I got so hyped about being able to talk about trailers again last week. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. now we're out again. So yeah. um, we got yeah. one one little uh, blip on the radar. Sure. Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello and welcome, everybody. This week we are talking folklore, Taylor Swift's new quarantine album. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves and answer the question: What is your song of the summer? I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee, and. In the most classic sense of what I consider a song of the summer, mine is Rain On Me by Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande. (laughs) That's a great summer song. Yeah. Um, I'm Lucas Ryder, designer in Chicago, and mine is Sports Car. It's by a band called Valley. I think this is a great like drive in your car and just have the windows down song and uh not doing a ton of that this summer but i feel like it really fits the vibe that i'm looking for I'm about to go on a 20-hour road trip, so I really needed to hear that. So long. I know, but 20 hours. I haven't driven that long. I'm not, I'm too old to drive that long. It's I'm, so far. It really is. I'm so nervous about it. But when this Taylor Swift album came out, I was like, oh my God, she put out a new album just in time for my 20-hour road trip. I know. I can't believe it. All right. Well, Sandra, what are uh, you feeling this week? This week, I am marathoning all of Nora Ephron's movies. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of the Blank Check podcast, and they've been doing podcast episodes about all of her movies. And so I thought, oh, I'll I'll watch them all right before this road trip I'm about to take, and that way I have all these podcast episodes to listen to in the car. Um, so I'm marathoning her her movies, mostly the ones she's directed and a couple of the ones she's written. And her directorial debut is a movie I had never seen or heard of called This Is My Life. It is about a single mom of two daughters who is a stand-up comedian and who gets her big break. And it's about her daughters dealing with their mom's newfound fame and absence um, because of her career. And it's a really, really sweet movie. Um, what I really was amazed by, though, and why I'm, why I'm particularly feeling this movie this week, is I just really adored the performance um, from Gabby Hoffman, who plays the younger the younger daughter, she she must have been like eight or ten at this point. Um, and you know, most of us have seen Gabby Hoffman as a child in Sleepless in Seattle or in Now and Then, but in this movie, she is so charming. All of her like sparkle and energy just really comes through, and. I had, the the joy of watching this movie was really just seeing, like, a really talented child performer. 
So if if that's something that if motherhood um and or and the mother daughter relationship or the sisterhood relationship is something that like particularly touches you, I think this is a great movie to watch. Have you heard of it or seen it, Lucas? Uh, yes, we are also going through Nora Ephron's movies. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, but my because gosh. of the podcast, so we'll we'll watch them and then we'll listen to the episodes. On right. Them. Um, this was one that Rebecca really wanted to skip, <laughs> so oh, okay. we did we did not watch this one. Interesting. But of but all based ones. on your recommendation, we might go back and watch it. I there... I just think like I think Rebecca really just wanted to get to sleep with Seattle, yeah, sure. so uh, we skipped this one. Understandably. But, yeah, but based on your recommendation, I definitely might go back and watch it. I, you know, I realized I'd only seen, like, half of the movie she had directed, because she directed mm-hmm. eight. Um, yeah. And then I'm also going to watch this week Hanging Up and and maybe When Harry Met Sally, if, like, I have the time with packing and stuff. Yeah. The only reason I wouldn't watch When Harry Met Sally is because I have that movie so memorized, you yes. know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so many of her movies, I've been, I've watched the trailers for all of them. And I'm like, ooh, yikes, this does not look good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. She has a real up-down, up-down mm-hmm. kind of career. <laughs> but Mixed Nuts is one of the – or not Mixed Nuts, sorry. This Is My Life is one that's like is, – it's not a big blockbuster hit, and it's not – I wouldn't say it's like one of her fake greats, but it's yeah. charming. You know, there's there's a lot that I found very charming about it. Good. Nice. Yeah. I'll definitely check it out. Um, What are you feeling this week, Lucas? Um, this week I was scrolling through HBO Max trying to figure out what to watch <laughs> and I came across Bringing Up Baby, which is a 1938 comedy that I have wanted to see for a long time and have just never sat down and watched it. And so, uh, this is Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn's first movie together. Uh, Cary Grant plays kind of an absent-minded, uh, paleontologist who's trying to make a good impression on, um some heiress who who's he's hoping will donate to his museum and on the day before his wedding he meets Catherine hepburn which is playing um the heiress's niece and it's a completely crazy adventure about a pet leopard and a missing dinosaur bone and it is off the wall this movie is going like 90 miles an hour the entire runtime um Catherine hepburn is absolutely hilarious she's so funny in this movie um i loved it i thought it was so much fun to watch um Rebecca got a lot of really stressed out just because of how intense it is, like the entire time. Like it's constantly just moving. <laughs> and yeah. There's no downtime in the entire movie, but I think that makes it even funnier. Um, and I, I, I really had a blast oh. with it. You know, after watching Sleepless in Seattle, I really wanted to watch An Affair to Remember. That's Cary Grant also, yes. right? Yes. So I think it's Cary Grant, yeah. Um, yeah, he's on my mind lately, and this sounds just as great. It's a good one. It's oh. weird having him play like an absent-minded like paleontologist. Mm, like yeah. that's it's a weird feel for him. <laughs> you know, I I obviously know Cary Grant, but I'm trying to think if I've what, what Cary Grant movies I have seen. Um, I feel uh, some Alfred Hitchcock ones probably. Mm, okay, like, like North by Northwest or yes, yes, I saw that. Okay. I think I mostly just, like, when I think of that era, my mind immediately goes to, like, Jimmy Stewart. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, have you seen His Girl Friday? No. Ooh, that is one you definitely need to okay. see. Okay, That yeah. was really good. Yeah. But. Maybe that'll be my next marathon when I'm done, when I come back from my trip. <laughs> All the Cary Grant movies. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. a great one. All right, well, let's transition into talking about Taylor Swift's new album, Folklore. But we were something, don't you think so? Roaring twenties, tossing pennies in the pool. And if my wishes came true, 
So Taylor Swift is 30 years old. She has been doing this for half her life at this point. Um, and has so many albums and so many songs. I was just looking at a list of like her, some of her top songs and she just has a ton of music that's yeah. out there already. Um, so going into this album, before we actually talk about fol- folklore itself, I'd love to hear your history of Taylor Swift. And eventually what is your actual fa- favorite Taylor Swift song? My history with Taylor S- Swift is one that like, we're going to, uh, you're going to have to stop me from talking about it. Like <laughs> I, I could talk about Taylor Swift for ages um first of all i will say um we're we're 31 right are you 31 i'm 30 at the moment oh you're 30 at the moment yeah. well, we're basically the same age basically. as taylor swift right yes and so when her first album came out and she was you know 15 16 or so i was 16 and so literally everything she was writing about was everything I was feeling. And that has been the case for her entire career because we're the same age, you know? Yeah. Um, and so similarly to like how our generation was the same age as like the Harry Potter students when we were reading mm-hmm. all the Harry Potter books, I feel tied to her music in a generational way that um, is very meaningful to me. But then aside from that, um, Taylor Swift is probably my favorite musical artist i mean i think there's a few that compete with her but she's right at the top there because she writes about all of my like most main interests which are (laughs) romance heartbreak femininity and womanhood which i view as very two different things but she writes about both of them and celebrity which i adore Thinking about the concept of celebrity and how that impacts people, um, both the celebrity and the people who are witnessing it. And um, and that's, you know, almost all of her music is about that. And so when I'm engaging with her music, I get to like, it's like listening to someone who t- only talks about your favorite things all the time and <laughs> and does it in a way that's, you know, better than anyone else. I think she's one of the best lyricists working right now yeah um and i should also say before we you know really get into this conversation i you know my my friend linda and i we talk about how there are movie people and there are music people and i'm not a music person i'm a movie person um and i you know obviously listen to and love music but i don't think about music in the same way that music people do um for me music is so lyrics based and so especially with someone like taylor swift who i think her greatest strength is her lyrical writing um that's what i engage with most when i think about her music i I don't i'm not gonna be able to comment on like her arrangements or her like what kind of instruments she used on this album versus that album um it's all gonna be about her lyrics and her storytelling for me um, I have a lot more to say, but just to say I'm pretty <laughs> dedicated. Um, and okay. Your other question was, what's my favorite song? That mm-hmm. is an impossible question to answer. Lucas. <laughs> like that's truly like say, you know, that's so impossible. If I can tell you what my favorite lyric is, oh, okay. if that helps, this isn't my favorite song by any means. Um, but my favorite lyric that she's ever written is you made a rebel of a careless man's careful daughter. It's a good one. It's a, it's a perfect lyric. <laughs> and it's funny because I like that song, but that song doesn't like really do much. You know, it's not 
it doesn't hit me emotionally. Yeah. But that lyric and it kind of it's in the chorus, so it kind of flies by you, you know? Wow, it's yeah. such a great piece of writing. That's a story in one line. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So I think I think that is what is so interesting to Taylor Swift to me and has always been is is that every song, even her songs that I don't love, always have some kind of lyric in it that, it's, that I'm just like, oh, that is brilliant. Absolutely. That is actually a brilliant yeah. <laughs> like line. Um, yeah, even the songs that I don't really connect with, I can still like po- pick out certain points that I'm just like, totally. that's amazing. And that is brilliant. I can't believe anybody ever thought of that. That's amazing. And and it's just, it's it's truly impressive. Yeah. Um, I'm I think s- for me. Well, I was oh, just yeah. going to say, I'm yeah. so interested in your relationship with Taylor Swift <laughs> because I think it's, yeah. you know, I think it's more interesting than mine because mine is just pure dedication and like excitement. Yeah. For me, Taylor Swift was definitely a huge role model. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, so I ended up listening to her very first interview on the radio live (laughs) Um, when her first hit Tim McGraw came out. Um, And I was like, this is it. This is exactly who I want to be. I want to be Taylor Swift when I grow up. And we're we're the same age, but I was like, this is it. Exactly. Um, And so I think a lot of the kind of like what you said, because we're the same age, like a lot of the, you know, the things that we think about and are going through as a high schooler, you know, as a college student, like all of those things um, are, we're all kind of in sync because like you said, that generational um, kind of bond, I think around the stuff that she's singing about um, matters a lot. And I think I'm not entirely sure that people um, a lot older get a lot of that um, from her music. Yeah. Um, And I think for me, I think for me specifically, because of because of my music history, because a lot of what I was doing was um, doing doing lyric writing and, and, you know, making music and stuff like that um, in high school and college, that was exactly kind of what I was um, listening to a lot and being inspired by. And I think like even now just listening to to folklore I was I, I like this weekend I was like what well, looks like I'm writing music this weekend mm. <laughs> so um she for me she's just very inspiring and I think um kind of like what we talked about like it is impossible to pick a favorite Taylor Swift song I think for me it's constantly changing and it's not always like her newest thing either right. like a, a lot of times I'll go back and be like actually this song from like 2000 you know 9 is now my favorite <laughs> Taylor Swift song um but for me right now I think Blank Space from um 198 or 1989 album Okay. Is one that has stuck with me for a very long time. <laughs> Lucas, I was yeah. going to say, if you were going to make me choose a song, it was going to yeah. be Blank Space. That's, yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of what I have to choose right now right. because it's, I think because lyrically and the way that album is put together, mm-hmm. um, I think coming after Welcome to New York, it really, like, that's kind of an intro song. And then Blank Space really tells you, like, all right, this is what this album is now. <laughs> like, this is what we're doing here. Um, I just think it's a, I think it's a almost perfect song. I absolutely love it. Yeah. What yeah. I love about that song is on its face, it's a fun, catchy pop song that we can, like, listen to over and over again, which mm-hmm. is my favorite kind of music and what she's so good at, right? And yes. it's fun the lyrics are really charming there's a lot of cleverness in it and then at its heart it's like so much more interesting and dark than it is on its face which i think that's really great when a song can do that and 
One of the reasons I like about I like listening to Taylor Swift music, and which I think a lot of people like listening to Taylor Swift is, and maybe you might be one of the exceptions to this. You can tell me if you are or not. Um, I like listening to her music and uncovering the clues and the mystery, right? And then also <laughs> uh, uh, finding out like who is this song about? Like who is you know what what relationship is she referring to? What time in her life? What friend? What you know? trying to piece together how this relates to her actual personal life. Um, And all of that is adding to the mythology of Taylor Swift, the Mm -hmm. legend of Taylor Swift, right? And she is so good at self-mythologizing? Yeah, Yeah. mythologizing. And that is my favorite thing about her music. I love the self-mythologizing. I love uncovering it. I love thinking about it. I love thinking about, you know, I like thinking when I listen to her music, I'm thinking about her. I'm not thinking about the way those lyrics apply to me all the time. Some songs I do, but a lot of times I'm I'm thinking about her and I don't do that with most artists. I don't think most of the time I I think I just enjoy the song. Um, Yeah. And like, well, I think, go ahead. I I think, I think because of, how she writes like she is just such a personal artist that she is constantly writing about herself yeah and so everything that she puts out there is personal in that way that like we all know and get and so we're we're kind of following along for the ride of like okay what what exactly are you <laughs> are you right. referencing here because her whole life is on display we get um we get these kind of intimate portraits through the songs as well as seeing the big picture thing that's going on yeah. in you know the tabloids and everything like that. Well, and the reason why blank space I think is my favorite and how it fits into that narrative is that it's, it is the one of all of her music that is acknowledging the narrative of Taylor Swift and saying like, yes and no, you know what I mean? Yes. I am kind of like that. I'm going to play fully play into this narrative that you've built in to me. Um, And I appreciate like the tongue in cheek of it all. I appreciate her acknowledging the narrative and like making a song that like bombastically plays into it. I think it's like like nasty and and clever and fun in all of those ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a perfect transition into folklore itself. Yeah. Like hearing folklore for the first time, it was announced like 24 hours before <laughs> it oh. actually dropped. The first time I absolutely she's love ever done now. anything like that. <laughs> yes. And all we got was do I, I don't even think we got track listings, right? We just no, we, got, we got a track listing. We did get a track listing. Yeah. Okay. So we got track listings and album artwork. Um, and lots basically, of album artwork. So much album. Eight artwork. different album artwork. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, going into this, kind of what we knew is that she had she was dropping an album that she had recorded, you know, over quarantine, written most of it with um, Aaron Destner, who is a uh, the guitarist from the. Oh, I almost said the Decemberist, the National, um, and Jack Antonoff, who she's collaborated with tons before this. Yeah, um, and had a a feature song with with Bon Iver. Can I ask you a quick question? What's yeah. your how do you feel about Jack Antonoff? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not a quick question. Who? <laughs> so much going on there. Um, if, this is going to get into Kesha and like Doctor Luke and Max. Interesting. Richard. Like it's a whole thing. Um. So I would I would say I was a huge fan of Dr. Luke for a very long time. Okay. Um, 
absolutely loved a lot of the stuff that he was working on, was really impressed by um, his songwriting. For those who don't know, he wrote, I would say, most of the big hits yeah. um, that, that, that you hear, like early 2000s um, yeah. music and uh, the, the pop hits. And I should say, as a Kesha fa- as a deep Kesha fan, I yes. like also was by proxy. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so what, like, I, th- I think he was someone who I was like, okay, that exactly like that guy's got genius. I, I, I want to see more of the things that he's working on. Yeah. Um, obviously with all the stuff that went down with Kesha, I was very upset and disappointed about yeah. all of that. Um, but I think Jack Antonoff has kind of snuck into that spot now mm. of someone that people can go to and be like, this guy's going to pull out a banger. I, I need to work with him. And so you see him kind of jumping onto a bunch of other people's albums. And I think he does a really good job of not necessarily putting his, um, his, own his taste onto, yeah, 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 onto these songs. But each each of his songs does have a little bit of a stamp. Like you can tell, like you're like, oh, yeah, that is a Jack Antonoff song if you know it. Mm-hmm. But I think just listening to it, you're not like this you know, I, I feel like they, they all fit perfectly with the artist that, that, that he's working with. So, which I think is a really, it's a really hard thing to do. And I think he's extremely talented. I think personally, I don't love him, <laughs> um, or he, like his specific music that he's put out. Um, You're not I'm a not Bleachers a, fan. I'm not a Bleachers fan. Got I it. like some of the songs, but I, I am not a Bleachers fan. I'm more a fan of the stuff that yeah. he does for other people. I, I, I ask because I feel like there's a narrative on like the people I follow on Twitter that's like not a fan of him taking over pop music, you know, um, yeah. or not a fan of his style. And I am a big Jack Antonoff fan musically. Like I love the Bleachers albums. I love the songs that he does produce. I'm always like, oh, of course I, lo- of course this is why I love this one. It's a Jack Antonoff yeah. song. <laughs> um, and so for me, it's always like it's exciting that he's taking over pop music because it's like, oh, cool, <laughs> all of my favorite pop artists are now going to sound more like this of uh, style that I like. You know, um, yeah. it's very catered towards me in a way that I just is, you know, I'm lucky, I guess. But yeah, uh, I feel like with Taylor Swift compared to other artists, like he, you know, he produced a lot of the Lord r- record that came out recently, yes. not recently, but like melodrama, he, he produced a lot of that. And I s- feel like I hear Lord on that album. I don't hear Antonoff, you know what I mean? Even if he yeah. helped her with a lot of Taylor Swift, at least, especially on 80, 1989, not so much now. But on 1989, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, this is a Jack Antonoff, Taylor Swift duet almost. Like this, yeah. it sound, yeah. it, his mark was so clear, um, which I don't mind, but it is noticeable. Yeah. I think specifically looking at folklore, like if you look at the songs that he did, I'm, I'm like, I I connect with those songs. So those songs are really good. Yeah. <laughs> I also obviously love a lot of the stuff that, um, that Destner's done. Um, on the album, yeah. but I think specifically, like I think Antonov has a lot of the catchiness um, that that I think people want in a Taylor, Taylor Swift album. Totally, um, and I think a lot of those songs really shine um, on an album like this, which is pretty subdued, um, yeah. impressively. And I think I think she is someone who can do that. I think because she started so young, like all of our music tastes change, and we are influenced by different things and you know, drift in different directions. And a lot of that solidifies, you know, I think later in life is like, you're locked in, this is what you listen to. And this is kind of, you're stuck in one place for the rest of your life is what's happened in the past. I think, I think with the way music works now, I think people are much more fluid in the stuff that they listen to and the stuff that they uh, engage with. And I think Taylor Swift is one of the few artists that is able to do that from 
um, an artist perspective. And I think starting in, in country and kind of moving more towards pop and being able to release a folk album like this, I think is something that feels more natural for her than it does with someone like Justin Timberlake, who's going to, you know, (laughs) introduce a, you know, folk inspired album, but really it's, it's just a, it's just a Justin Timberlake album. So did you watch her documentary? I haven't. And I meant to eventually, but I still haven't watched her documentary. Wow. Yeah. You need to watch it in the documentary. There's a section where she talks about how she feels that, especially as a woman in the music industry, that she's almost required to constantly reinvent herself in order to seem appealing. That yeah. women women pop stars are constantly being asked to be like, okay, what, what new thing are you going to give us? What kind of era are you going to give us? What, you know, that reinvention is necessary, is necessary and it's, and exhausting. And she's kind of, it's, it's a, it's a complaint that she has is that like, yeah, how, how many times must I reinvent myself for you to s- keep me around? Which I found, I found interesting. Yeah. Really quick. I just wanted to ask you, um, you mentioned Aaron Dresner is, you know, a big producer and co-writer on this album. I'm assuming you're a fan of the national. I am a fan of the national. Okay. The national was actually the last concert that I went to before quarantine. Wow. <laughs> so mine was Japanese house. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she so I I've never really I've I've never gotten into the national I've always like listened to a song or two or I've heard interviews with um what's the main guy from the national his name um oh yeah um yeah anyway <laughs> but and I've always been like oh this is this is dad music this is indie dad music in a way that like I cannot I do not connect to you know yeah. like <laughs> it's so like slurry yeah. and and somber it is. I think um, I think that's one of the things yeah. that took me a while to get into the yeah. Nationals music is specifically his voice and the way he yeah. <laughs> sings these songs. I think I think one of the things that I do really connect with that I can see why you wouldn't is the music of it. Like the actual instrumentation, right. the the arrangements, like that sure. stuff I think is really solid. Right. Um and a little um a little less emphasis on the lyrics and stuff like that. Yeah. Which makes sense. But Yeah. So here's my question. When yeah. you found out that she was putting out this album and that a music video and the album were coming out at midnight, like, were you, you were excited for like a new album, right? Were you staying up to listen to it? Were you like, I'm going to listen to it tomorrow? What was your <laughs> game plan? No, I haven't stayed up since 11 to 11 <laughs> since this quarantine. Started. So there was no way I was staying up to, to watch an album drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I listened to it first thing in the morning okay. and I just kind of had it on repeat all day um, during work. Um, and I, uh, like it's, I I love Taylor Swift, but it's not something that I'm going to drop everything for. And it's also not something that I like love all of her stuff. Yeah. Like, um, I think when, what is it? The speak now album came out. I did not like it at all. I think I listened to it once and then just kind of moved on the same thing with reputation. Mm -hmm. I just, I did one listen and then I was done. And like over the years I've come back to certain songs on those things, but I feel like I am. I'm not someone who is that excited about something new until I actually listen to it. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm into this. Is 1989 so. your favorite album? I th- I think so. For I'm me a it big is. fan of Lover. But, yeah, um, Lover I, and I, I, 89 I are. I, I yeah. think partners in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, and yeah, I really like both of them. 
Um, yeah. Everything pre-1989, I have nostalgia for, but I don't really go back and listen to just in my own enjoyment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Reputation, I, I like about half of the songs. And then the other half, I'm like, kind of are kind of cringe for me. Yeah. I think that album for me felt more like she was trying to do something new as opposed to like naturally doing something new <laughs> like right. like kind of what you said is like feels like she's being forced into trying to reinvent herself um i don't know if that's true or not because i only listened to that album once really yeah um and so i don't feel like i have enough to actually talk about that album but my first time through i was like this doesn't feel yeah. good to me <laughs> so well um like yeah, i said with reputation i there are about half of the songs that I really like and I'll keep and I'll listen to to this day. And then the other half where I'm like, I literally cannot listen to that song. Like, <laughs> um, and I loved Lover. Like, Lover, I think, is really, really good. And it, it's so mm -hmm. wild that it's so recent. You know what I mean? That yeah. we're not talking yeah. about Lover as from two years ago. Um, yeah. That's still kind of like messing with my mind. But yeah. there it's are. It's less than a year, right? Yeah. It's been less than a year oh, since yeah. Lover came out. Totally. It's insane. Um, so there are, but there are two songs, maybe three songs on Lover that I find kind of embarrassing. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and, and so like whenever I listen to it, like I can't listen to them. I have to skip them. You know what I mean? And 1989 is a no skips album for me. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll listen to the whole thing all the way through. And so that we can finally actually talk about folklore and what we think of it. <laughs> um, Folklore for me is a no skips album. There are two songs on folklore that I don't really connect to, um, but they're not hard for me to listen to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if I'm listening yeah. to the album straight through, it's not, you know, I'm not mad at them when they're playing. Yeah. Uh, and, and so for me, that is really wonderful to have another no skips album in the Taylor Swift, you know, discography. I agree. I think, I think that's interesting what you said about, um, being embarrassed yes. like you like it's I 100% agree and and I I hadn't thought about it that way but it is like I feel embarrassed listening to this song not not for me but almost for her yes. like it's like oh Taylor that's the other thing is like <laughs> I adore Taylor but she is her earnestness is what yeah. makes her such a good songwriter right yes but then sometimes it's also what makes her so embarrassing Yes. And like and corny, <laughs> and you're like, oh no, Taylor, that you are so lame. Like, yep. yes, <laughs> that you 100%. put this out. Um, there's there's a lot of times in my history with Taylor Swift where I'm like, oh, shaking my head. Um, yeah. Watching the documentary was like that too, where <laughs> so so many times you're amazed by like her brilliance, and yeah. then she'll say something that you'll be like, oh, you nerd, like. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in a very oh, yeah. endearing way you know what i mean yeah yeah um i yeah and i think i think what's interesting because her songs are so personal like th that embarrassment like hits very hard right of just like of just like you are really opening yourself out here yeah and i think um i think what's interesting about folklore is that these are stories like these yeah. to me feel the most detached from her um and be because they are stories from like you I, she has not had a lot of songs from third party perspectives and stuff like that right. throughout this. And obviously there's, there's always going to be personal stuff that, that, you know, that comes into these songs, but sure. telling all of these stories as folklore, as like, you know, actual stories, characters. I think is, yeah. As, uh, yeah. With characters and everything, I think is, I think is very interesting and it feels 
different in that way. And so I think that's one of the reasons for me, I'm not embarrassed listening to any of these songs because I feel like I have that little bit of separation um, here, which is nice. Although there are a couple songs on here that I'm like, I don't love it. (laughs) Oh, I'm interested to find out what those are. Um, For me, like, you're right. I love the fact that this album is about her telling stories about characters that she's dreamed up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so new, but at the same time, so all of her music has been so storytelling focused. The story yeah. has just always been about herself. Yes, and definitely. so I think she's I, a great storyteller. And every that, now and then, she does have other songs, like especially in her earlier work, that are mm-hmm. that feel where she, you know, she has the song about Abigail. She yeah. has. That one, it's a very country thing to do. Exactly. That's why listening to this album, I was like, you know, this doesn't sound like a country album, but it reminds me so much of like country music that I love, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which I, you know, I'm really happy about. Um, I I love in you know when I was listening to all those things that interest me, um, like one thing I didn't, I kind of mentioned when it, in regards to celebrity, but I didn't say explicitly is legend. The idea of like myth building and legend making and mm-hmm. storytelling is i you know my number one interest obviously with us yeah. talking about movies and mm-hmm. so of course this album when she put out that album description about like how it is going to be an album of storytelling i was like wow i'm really in for it you know yeah um i want to know so how do you feel i'm not gonna have as much to say about this but i want to know how you feel about this album musically i love it <laughs> <laughs> i I think I think one of the things that and this is something that I think is strictly an Aaron an Aaron Dessner thing that he that he brought in is um, a lot of um, orchestration yeah to 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 these songs and because they're so simple um, you really get like just a basic like synth or piano with some like bigger orchestration around a lot of these songs which makes them feel more epic and more cinematic I think. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really fun for songs like like Epiphany or you know um, what is it like Mirrorball like stuff where it's just like very simple lyrics very simple melodies like not a lot of like you know catchy stuff but just like very like stripped down but powerful lyrics I think really get elevated by the orchestration um, that's that's here which I think is so fun and especially because because these are stories I think it fits really well yeah um, and I think specifically a lot of the the fun synth work because um Aaron 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 Dessner was working on uh Bonavera's album as well mm-hmm. that he's currently working on so he was um working with him at the same time which is how Bonavera got on this album yeah <laughs> um and so I think a lot of that stuff um that ends up in a lot of Bonavera's albums um just from like a a deep underlying like baseline feeling um get carried over here as well which feels perfectly matched to the lyrics that she's writing here. Yeah. I'm so torn because I I love the way this album sounds. Um, Mm -hmm. I tend to, I love pop music. You know what I mean? I love catchy, bouncy pop music. I love Carly Rae Jepsen and Kesha and Taylor Swift and Beyonce. And, you know, this album, what you said about like the toned down nature of the music and without mm-hmm. all that production of like the beats and the pops and the, all, all, you know, everything that is involved in like a catchy pop song, you get to really focus on the lyrics more. And I both appreciate that. And 
am disdainful of that, you know? <laughs> I'm not disdainful of the album. I'm disdainful that, like, we live in a society that will uphold this album as, like, her greatest work when they don't, because people aren't paying atten- attention to how genius the lyrics are and, like, her more poppy songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's just a personal hang-up. Nevertheless, I love the way this album sounds. I love um, in Betty when that harmonica started. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> my heart just, like, filled up. Um, I think Seven is such a pretty-sounding song. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know enough about music to tell you why that is, but <laughs> I just know whenever I listen to Seven, I'm like, wow, this one, this really, like, I feel transported by the music in this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and also, you know, so uh, there was a critic that I was reading that pointed out, like, you know, she made this album in, a, in quarantine, right? Mm-hmm. And she knows that she's probably not going to get to tour for a while. Um, And she still hasn't toured her Lover album. That was what was supposed to happen this summer. Right. So I – that it almost kind of released her from having to make the stadium pop songs that she would need to make to fill a tour. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's like, I'm not going to tour this album probably. Or if I do, it's not going to be this – it's definitely not going to be the same way I normally do. (laughs) Yeah. So it opens her up for this chance to make an album – that you, people don't yeah. have to dance to. It is interesting, I think, uh, writing an album from a perspective of like, I have to tour this now. Yeah. Like, whatever I write here, I now have to. Right. <laughs> like, it has to be tourable. So, and a Taylor coming Swift at this, tour is very different yes. than most tours, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So, I can 100% see her kind of probably having some of these songs kind of on the back burner of just right. like, here are some like little things that I've written that I'm can't do anything with and then kind of pulling them together into to something like this. And I, I, I don't feel like this was like a, this was like the leftovers that she put, just put on her album. I feel right. like this was all intentionally put together, but I feel like there are some like lines or like she had a chorus sitting around that was just like, I can never do anything with this. And yeah. now she's like, I can actually flesh this out. So yeah, I think it, I think it's really great. I think, um, I would love to hear what songs like stand out to you yes. on this album as like, these are the ones that I'm like, I keep coming back to. Yeah. Well, I'll start with, since you mentioned like songs that she might've had on the back burner, the one that I have so many questions about and that is probably my favorite song and that I keep coming back to it the most um, is the last great American dynasty. They say, there goes the last great American dynasty. Who knows if she never showed up, what could have been? There goes the maddest woman this town has ever seen. She had a marvelous time ruining everything. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so this song is, I think, one of the catchiest on the album. Um, and it's about this, you know, real life heiress that... Um, was kind of a gossipy, controversial figure in Rhode Island um, who lived in the house that Taylor Swift now owns in Rhode Island, her vacation Is this a true story? I haven't looked any of this up, but is that actually true? my gosh, Lucas. (laughs) Here we go. So, Last Great American Dynasty is everything in it is based on a fully true real woman. Her name was Rebecca Harkness. There was a whole book written about her that I checked out from the library, Um, Oh, my goodness. She was just a socialite. She was like, you know, 
um, a tabloid figure. Um, mm-hmm. She, like, in the song says she married, like, this oil baron, um, and they bought this house in Rhode Island, and he died pretty young. Um, my favorite lyric in the song is, um, their parties were tasteful if a little loud. The doctor told him to settle down. It must have been her fault his heart gave out. Um, yeah. I, that's such a sassy, like, you know, bitchy kind of line in a way that I think is really fun, <laughs> you know? Um, because the song is about people gossiping about this figure, like this woman, this widow, this woman. Um, and yeah. And she had this, like the song doesn't even cover how like wild her life was. She had a son that murdered someone. She had another daughter that died. She was good friends with Salvador Dali, which she mentions in the song. Like, um, she was just like this wild, you know, woman that people gossiped about. Yeah. Um, anyway, and then Taylor Swift bought her the famous Taylor Swift Rhode Island house is kind of famous because she hosts these big Fourth of July parties there. There was always big Instagrams from it, um, and so a lot of questions I have is like, one, when did she write this song? Because she's had this house for a while. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this is not you know a, a new house she bought. She's had this house for years. So did she write this song? right now or did she write it you know did she write it when she bought the house you know what i mean yeah um also i have so what i love about the song is it's about someone else but it still contributes to like the myth of taylor swift right because yeah at the end it's like (laughs) and then i you know then i bought that house and the song is obviously about a woman who is discussed in the media and who is judged and who's just like living her life no regardless yeah. And how that applies to Taylor Swift's narrative as, as well. And so that's another thing where I'm like, did you, I really want to know, did she buy the house and then find out about her previous, the previous owner and find out that it had this like amazing backstory? Or did she find out about that before buying the house? And that was like a deciding factor in buying the house. Yeah. Um. So again, I like that song because it's catchy, but also because it contributes to that narrative of taylor swift see it that's interesting so rebecca my my wife rebecca yeah, not, <laughs> not the not, rebecca in the song not rebecca yes. harkness yeah yes um she hates that song oh, she absolutely hates that song interesting because she what we were talking about it and i was like i was like why what what is it specifically and she hates all story songs all songs oh, no. that are just a story <laughs> and i was like oh you're gonna hate this album yeah. <laughs> like this is not gonna be good but she like she's one of those people who like honestly doesn't really care about the lyric is mm. just looking for interesting a beat she just texted me i do not hate the album <laughs> <laughs> um you know this song also kind of reminds me of are you a martina mcbride fan lucas yes um yes. do you know her song it's when god fearing women get the blues yes yeah i adore yeah. <laughs> that song and it reminds me so much of it about like the whole town gossiping about this one yeah. woman and it's true that's the kind of story that i live for yeah. <laughs> The other song that's like probably also my favorite on the album is August. But I can see us lost in the memory. August slipped away into a moment in time. Cause it was never mine. And I can see us twisted in bed sheets. August slipped away like a bottle of wine. Cause you were never mine. That song is like a perfect summer sad pop song um 
I, it's the one I keep coming back to, listening to over and over again. It's the one I keep singing to. I find myself singing when I'm alone. Um, yeah. And that's that's an Antonov song. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel yeah. like there are a couple songs on here that are going to build, that it's just like, I, I like it, but in like, you know, two months, I'm going to like it so much more. And I think August for me is one of those. Like, I haven't hit peak August yet. <laughs> yeah. The no. lyric, the way she sings Meet Me Behind the Mall in August mm-hmm. is... Yeah. So enchanting. I keep saying, you know, the, the that phrase doesn't sound that beautiful just on its own, but the way she sings it and in the context of the song, I just keep singing that to myself all day. Just me, me behind the mall. You know, oh, yeah, it's so yeah. good. I think that's what what's interesting about I think the songs that I really like on this album are there are uh, lyrical phrases that she uses that just really stand out to me so much and the rest of the song might just be like fine right but because those things stand out to me so much i keep coming back to those songs um and i think for me there are three songs on this album that i um love and are not songs that i will like probably put on playlists mm. or you know <laughs> you know have on rotation at all um but one of them is um epiphany um yeah. i think for me the verses specifically stand out so the first verse is about um i think her grandfather in world war ii yeah. crawling off the beaches now sir i think he's bleeding now and some things you just can't speak about the way that um that melody mm-hmm. flows um is i think super powerful and the way it's like positioned with the second verse of hold your hand hold your hand through plastic now doc i think she's crashing out oh. and some things you just can't speak about like both of those together i'm just like yes <laughs> i love I this mean, um the line hold your hand through plastic now is yeah. especially right now like yeah. so it makes me so emotional yeah yeah it's really it really is um and then the second one for me is this is me trying I think that one is just it's I think it's resonating for everybody at the moment yeah. but <laughs> just like that that mindset um and the amount of like reverb that is on this song and it just feels like it's um like swelling and flowing throughout the entire song and it's not that long either um it's like a 3 minute song um and then I think the the last one for me is classically the the bonavere song yeah. <laughs> like I, exile like that duet i think works really well uh, um you don't see her doing a ton of duets like she has duets um she has that I mean, one front with the guy from snow patrol yes yeah which i love um yeah i feel like she's had a couple on and some of her country she just recently did one with um she redid a lover with uh did she yeah i haven't like on his name Sean Mendez. Oh, really? Yeah, she and Mon- Sean Mendez did a duet of Lover, and he had like he he you know had a kind of a different verse and yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think she does. She does a lot of a lot more like duets that she'll like perform or like release right. separately. But like on her albums, right. like she doesn't do a ton of those. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a very interesting one to put on there. Um, 
I love Bonavir's voice, especially like his deep baritone as opposed to his like falsetto. Yeah. Um, when- and I think it, it fits really well with her. So step right out. started it was like wow i've never heard that voice like yeah and it's like i love it i wish i could hear it more often especially coming off of like the last great american dynasty like she is she is up there for that song and then you immediately transition to like the lowest voice you've ever heard and it's just it's like who is this man on this album i love duets so much i duets hold a special place in my heart i feel like i listened to a lot of them when i was a kid I listened to a lot of, like, albums that have, like, you know, watching all these Nora Ephron movies, I'm realizing how much growing up I listened to, like, piano bar music. (laughs) Like, I was a kid that was not listening to, like, Britney Spears. I was listening to, like, Manhattan Transfer and, um, and, like, Natalie Cole and, and... That is hilarious. Yeah. And (laughs) so, like, so there's a lot of duets in those and, and duets really work for me. Um, and this song reminds me a lot of that one song that she has with that Snow Patrol guy. I forget what his name is. Jonathan something. I've always loved that song. I've always thought that it was a very underrated Taylor Swift song. Um, and I also think Taylor Swift, even though she's in this song, she's the person who's like leaving the guy, you know, mm-hmm. um, the song has a lot of these tones of like regret in it. And a lot of, like, my favorite Taylor Swift works are the ones where she is asking for forgiveness or expressing regret and not being like, you left me, fuck you, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. I love those songs too. But, like, I think there's something really <laughs> special about her remorseful songs. Um, yeah. And I think, like... Back to December is like one of her early ones mm, that is mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think Afterglow on Lover is one of those. Um, and and in this album, I think Exile kind of fills that role along with Betty uh, in a completely different tone. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, just, it's a personal thing that I really enjoy yeah. from her. I think I think duets, I think everybody loves a good duet. Yeah. I think there's a lot of bad duets that are basically just like, I just want someone else to sing on this song with me. Right. But any duet where it's actually like a conversation between two people, I think if you if, 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 if you actually put in the work and put one of those out, like everybody's on board immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone loves that. So I it was really nice to to hear something like that from her here. Yeah. It, it works really well. I read that Bon Iver added the line. I mean, I'm sure he added lots of different lines, but the, the section that he added that sound again, you're like, Oh, of course he added that. That's such a Bon Iver sounding line and section is the, he says, so step right out. There is no, yeah, you know, that's, that's yeah, all that's a- him <laughs> and it works. It's so good. And mm-hmm. my other favorite lyric in that is a very Taylor Swift lyric is where she says, um, Second, third, and hundredth chances, balance and unbreaking yeah. branches, uh, things like that. Second, third, and hundredth chances. Yes. I, great. what I think, 
so she she basically wrote the song and then he helped collaborate and like make it you know partially his too mm-hmm. which i think is the best way to do a do i just have one person write it so you have that storytelling there and then have the other person come in and adjust and, and make it for them yeah um because most duets are somebody sings a verse somebody else sings another verse and it's like you write your verse i'll write mine and we'll mm-hmm. just you know both sing them and i i think something like this gets is so much more impactful yeah. i think it works really well here well i should also point out one of the mysteries of this album is that she didn't write this song alone. She wrote it with another songwriter whose name is credited as William Bowery. Yes, he's got two songs on the album. This one and Betty, and no one knows who he is. Um, so it's a mystery. It's assumed that it's a pseudonym. Um, yeah. And I think the the biggest guess right now is that it's a pseudonym for her partner, Joe Alwyn. Um, mm-hmm. Although... There's it literally could be anyone. It, it could. Yeah. There are many rumors out there as to who it yeah. is. I I really I don't think it is this, but I really liked the rumor that it was Lord. I know that's <laughs> to me that's such a random one. Like I feel like if it were Lord, like she would just say it. Like yeah. if there's there's no reason to like yeah write under a pseudonym. Yeah. I've also heard Joni Mitchell. <laughs> that's interesting. Huh. Which is really out there. Yeah. But yeah, I don't I don't know why. I I like. I, th- I think I think Joe makes the most sense as a pseudonym, right? Um, just because I mean he's not a songwriter; like this isn't his deal. Like well, any, any musician, like any musician would not necessarily like want credit, but like there'd, there'd be no reason to hide who it was. I think um, the big thing is is the privacy of their relationship because the other time that Taylor Swift Taylor Swift used a pseudonym when she wrote, co-wrote on a song was when she co-wrote on one of her ex-boyfriend Calvin Harris's song. Yeah. And so yeah. it just seems like that that's the reason why is you you don't want the publicity of these two people who are dating wrote a song together. Right. Yeah. Right. Um so Yeah. Um so are there what other songs do you really connect with? So the the trilogy yes <laughs> of of Cardigan um what is August. it? What's the second one? August, yeah. And Betty. Cardigan, August and Betty. Yeah. Um those I really like listening them together. I I think I don't like them as much on their own. Like Cardigan is Cardigan's great. Cardigan's fun. Betty is good. Um, but I think listening to them back to back is fun. Having that three person storytelling totally. Um, so you get to see all the perspectives is is really fun. I am not bought in on any of the rumors about you know the writing of this song. I don't love any of that. <laughs> the, I, are you talking I, about Taylor Swift being gay? Yes. I okay. I don't like that kind of speculation for me. I'm just like if like if they want to come out, let them come out. Like let yeah. let them do their thing. I, I I hate the digging into all of that. Um, I especially because this whole album is a storytelling album. I think it's fine to um to write them from different perspectives. Yeah. I think it is very weird for Betty to be written from a guy's perspective and you not know it's a guy like it's it's until like the very like it's very and it's not a surprise either it's just it's a weird way of of doing it i don't i don't know Mm -hmm. i think i think lyrically storytelling wise i love it i don't love the the all of the speculation around that trilogy sure (laughs) um i have a lot of thoughts so yes First of all, I will say it's interesting that you said you loved Cardigan and Betty's fine and you didn't mention August because I think August is the, oh, August is great. the strongest of those three. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. I think August yeah. is amazing. Betty is really fun. I don't really 
love cardigan. Um, and I'm worried that here I'm tainted because I the first time I listened to it, I saw the music video. Uh, yeah. Um, and I don't really love Taylor Swift's music videos usually. No, um, <laughs> me either. And so I'm worried that that tainted my appreciation of that song. I'm wondering how I would feel about it if I had only listened to it first. Um, I have not seen the music video. Of interesting. It still, there's parts of Cardigan I like, but I don't really, I don't find myself going to that song. But like you said, I love it as a trilogy. This, I love her telling the same story from multiple pers- perspectives. It really makes me want when Taylor Swift is like in her 40s for her to write a musical. Like, what would a Taylor Swift musical look like? Not a not a jukebox musical, but like an original Oof. musical. It feels like there would be some cringy elements. Yes, <laughs> correct. <laughs> but also, what else? You know, and I don't. Yeah. I don't want her to write the like the script. You know what I mean? I mean the yeah, songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that you know, that just, could be fun. Just a thought. That could be fun. I, I, yeah. That's why. But also, that's why I said in her forties, like I want a more mm-hmm. mature. Give her some time. Yeah. Because this is the first album of her 30s. Like, we're entering a new decade. And so much of Taylor Swift's music has been about the experience of youth, right? Mm -hmm. And this is the first time that I feel like there's a lot about youth on this album. A lot of songs about teenagers and and folly. But I feel this is a a song about youth from the perspective of someone older. You know what I mean? Especially these songs about this trilogy, Seven, I think is such a great song about childhood. So she's still writing about youth, but with more maturity. And so I'm interested to see, like, what does Taylor Swift in her 40s, you know, what does that writing look like? Anyway, yeah. back to the trilogy. Um, I think it's interesting for me that you don't like the conversation about, you know, like, her sexuality or like her queerness when so much of her music is about like discovering the hidden clues about her personal life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, which I think is, is what I think it's fine in the other albums. I think this one is a little (laughs) like this one feels like more of a stretch to me. Sure. I will say, um, listening to this album, um and not just this album actually like all a lot of her recent albums i really love searching for queer undertones in her music and i whether she's queer or not kind of really doesn't matter to me like i mean it does because i like am interested but that doesn't matter to me in the song you know what i mean like if she's not queer and there's still queer undertones in this music like that's fine by me um and so the the conversation around Betty for me is not so much, I mean, for some people it is like, is Taylor Swift queer? Is this song like a secret, like shout out to that. But for me, separate from that, it's, it's a song that's told technically from the perspective of someone named James. Um, but because Taylor Swift is a woman singing it, it feels like such a queer anthem. Right. And that I adore about it. And Which I don't know why you had to throw James in there. Like, it just feels like a weird... Well, and this is where Taylor <laughs> Swift it gets tricky, right? Because I think Taylor Swift likes to be specific and also leave lots of options open, right? So she's yeah. saying it's from the perspective of a person named James, which makes you assume it's from the perspective of a teen boy, right? And it feels very classic in that sense. Um, and 
universe, not universal, but like, you know, fits like this classic stereotype of like a pop song. But at the same time, you know, it's been pointed out that like she was named after Taylor James. James Taylor. Um, James Taylor. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Not a music person. I'm a movie person. (laughs) James Taylor. (laughs) And so that she was named after the famous Taylor James. (laughs) (laughs) She was named after James Taylor. And so like, is that a reference to her and her perspective? Right. And I know Mm -hmm. that that sounds like a crazy conspiracy, right? Yep. It does. But when you look at the way Taylor Swift writes and promotes her music, it's like she does lay in things that make you think that way, right? It's true. So it's like all of this is her fault. I mean, like <laughs> this, you know, she sets this up this way of thinking. So it, I don't want to blame people for coming up with these crazy conspiracy ways, you know, um ways of like def- finding clues in her songs. Mm-hmm. Another thing to point out is that the two other than Betty, the two other names in this song are Inez and James. <laughs> I knew I knew this was going to come up. <laughs> okay. And those are the daughters of Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds, who she's friends mm-hmm. with, right? Yep. So she's used the names of two other girls that she knows. So the name James in this song essentially could be like a unisex name. Yeah. Right? Yep. And so I think that's just fun and, like, exciting. (laughs) And I don't think it – and you can say it has something to do with her queerness or not. I think both interpretations are interesting to me. Um, But, like, this – Betty and August and Cardigan having the potential to be, like, a queer love story is an exciting thing for me. And, And if it's not, that's fine. It's still good. Yeah. So, like, that conversation excites me in in a way that it seemed like it didn't excite you. (laughs) I think I yeah, I think for me, what 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 makes me nervous and gets a little cringy is is the idea of like the public trying to hunt down and figure out if someone is queer or not. I (laughs) like like I like I feel like that that has been done negatively in the past, like a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I feel like in this it is a positive thing. Right. But I feel like there's still that mentality of kind of the mob deciding for you right. <laughs> and 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 in my perspective it's like if she wants to come out as queer let her come out as queer if not let her let her do her thing yeah i totally respect that and like and i agree i think there's a difference and it's a fine line between pressuring and mobbing and like the way that like stan culture can like mob a celebrity to be like yeah. you must yeah. come out like obviously we know this thing about you like mm. versus i'm reading into an artist's lyrics, which is what I'm supposed to do with their music. I'm supposed to like listen to their lyrics and, and discover meaning. And especially with her specific career, like that is the point of her music is to listen to it Mm -hmm. and discover the meaning behind all of it. Um, and, and noticing that a lot of these songs feel very queer. And this isn't like, if this was the only song, I think it would be like, okay, y'all are a little over the top. Right. But it's not, right? There's, like, a history of her music having these undertones. And also, like, when I say that, I don't – she can be as straight as she is or wants to be, you know? But she is very good at writing music that queer people, or especially queer women, really identify with. And I think that's, like, a beautiful thing that she has that talent. Um, 
And there are other songs on this album that feel that way. I think Seven can read as, like, a song between two friends. And it can also read as, like, like a, there, there's, like, like, a lot of queerness to Seven. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and, I'm, and there's other songs on this album that I'm, I'm not picking, I'm not remembering. But there's especially a lot, I think, on, on Reputation. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, and so I think just like picking up and and calling that out, and and especially queer women calling that out is very yeah. cool. Yeah, I think I I hundred percent fine with that. Yeah, I think I think I'm more just wary of the mob sure. <laughs> mentality. I think mob mentalities are always like things to be wary yeah. of in general. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh man. Are there song? What songs in this album do you not connect with as much? Yes. Um, so for me, Mirrorball is, is the one that I'm just kind of like, eh, yeah. it really doesn't do a lot for me. But I think, honestly, it's the only one. Like, it's still not a song that I skip, um, but it is, for me, the only one that I'm just kind of like, yeah. oh, okay, this song. Mirrorball <laughs> How about you? is not a song that I will like. You know, there's songs on an album where you're like, you just like, oh, I just want to hear this song, and you go straight to it, right? Yeah. It'll never, it, that is, it's not that for me. But when I do listen to it, what I like about it is I feel like more than any other song on this album, it is about her and her fame and and what it's like to be a celebrity whose job is to, like, give out your emotion and, like, provide this, like, these good times to people and, like, the exhaustion of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I like I like the narrative and how it relates to fame. Um even though it's not a song that like I'm going to come back to constantly. Yeah. yeah. What about you? What songs don't you connect with? Yeah, I already mentioned Cardigan is is not one for me, but the two that like when I listen to I'm like I don't I don't really think I'm feeling this is Mad Woman. Um I don't love. I think uh, there's there's nothing in it that feels new or touching for me and mad woman it feels like i've heard i've heard taylor swift sing about this before in much better ways mm-hmm. um in much more clever ways uh I, I also don't like the tone of mad woman it reminds me a lot of another song i didn't like on lover which is false god when she goes kind of like deep yeah um that doesn't like vocally deep. Yeah. Yeah. Vocally deep. And like the song feel has a darkness to it that I, I don't enjoy as much. Um, yeah. And then the other one is hoax. The last song on the album. Mm, yeah. That song. I listen to it. And I'm like, I feel nothing listening to this. song. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly keep forgetting about. Hoax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am incredibly excited about listening to the song that is on the physical albums that we haven't gotten access to yet. The Lakes. The Lakes. Yeah. It's a, do, we, do we have a date for that one? I think whenever the albums come out. Like, whenever shipping gets here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I bought it on vinyl, and it said estimated six weeks. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It sounded like Rob, Sheff, Rob Sheffield um, with the Rolling Stone. With, yeah. With Rolling Stone. Um, he, not the Rolling, not the Rolling Stones, Stones. <laughs> not, not Taylor James. Um, yeah. <laughs> he is a music critic. I really enjoy reading and he has a particular affinity for Taylor Swift. It sounds like he has his hands on a copy and got to listen to it and says it's great. Nice. So nice. he pointed out that like 
the way that Betty, August, and Cardigan are all kind of tied together, that mm -hmm. invisible string and the lake seem to be tied together. Oh, nice. Um, which Invisible String is another song that is very specifically about Taylor Swift and not a character. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> I really adore it. Yeah. The last song I want to mention, it's not like my favorite on the album, but I do still really like it, is the one, the one that it, the song, the album start, mm -hmm. starts with. I've just heard so many, <laughs> particularly single women that I know right now, being like, wow, she took a page out of my journal. Like, this song <laughs> is, that feels like the most, like, that song could have been on another Taylor Swift album. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, it's about that feeling when you're wistfully thinking of someone you once had a connection with. And you're like, wow, what if that had worked out? Um, and so that, I think, is, has a special quality to it. Yeah. I think overall, I'm just so impressed by, <laughs> yeah. by so many songs on this album that... Um, it's going to take a long time for me to like actually narrow down on like which ones are the true standouts and which ones right. aren't. Um, cause each, each one that you keep talking about, I'm just like, Oh yeah, man, that one's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, I think this album is sneaky in that way because like with all of her other albums, there were the songs that were very clearly like the big hits, you know, yeah. like even if yeah. another one you might like a little more for personally, like on lover, we know that Lover and Cruel Summer are, like, her standouts on that album, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. on 1989, we know, like, Blank Space is, like, you know, like, the the, the great hit. And on Reputation, yeah. I would say, like, Getaway Car is, you know, easily, like, the best song in that album. Um, mm -hmm. And so, like, you can, you can pinpoint, like, oh, here are the top three of each album. And this one, because there's no, like, big pop this feels grand and Taylor Swift and a hit song. Um, yeah. It's harder to, to remember like, Oh, they're all kind of great. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'm interested in now that we've had, she's had this break of pattern of releasing an album less than a year after mm -hmm. one, you know, one she's already put out and releasing an album that sounds nothing like her seven previous albums. Um, what does Taylor Swift's music look like in her 30s? Like, will she yeah. go back to her standard, like, way of doing things um, once, like, maybe the pandemic gets a little bit more normalized? And um, or will she say, like, no, I'm over that. Like, this is I'm a new kind of musician in this decade, you know. Yeah, I think this is a true palate cleanser. Like right. this is like every other album has like set her up in a new direction to see like, okay, where is she going now? Yeah. And this one is we're kind of stripping it all back and being like, okay, she can do anything now. What what's yeah. she going to do? Does she keep so. – does she put out albums whenever she wants now? Does she put out – does she continue to make stadium kind of music? Does she yeah. – you know, does she do press the same way she's always done press? I think I'm I'm excited for the future. All right. Cool. Well, this is exciting. I'm a huge fan of uh, this album and obviously Taylor Swift in general. So I think I think we will continue to have this album on, on repeat for the rest of the summer and this fall. So, yeah. um, Sandra, where can we find you around the Internet? You can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And you can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. This has been fun. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 